And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. As usual, we have a new poll question up today, the day of the release of uh, this episode, number 49 of The Drop Set. Thank you all for joining me. Um, so we're going to talk about our um, old poll question, which I got some good feedback on. The question I was asking was, you know, what do you want more of? from the drop set what can this podcast do for you and uh, overwhelmingly the response was more in-depth feature segments so okay you got it <laughs> and, uh i i looked at those poll numbers and i was like well shoot that figures because <laughs> that's the stuff that takes the most work but it's okay you know you ask for it you shall get it uh poll question up this week uh i'm kind of curious now i'm gonna stop asking the self-serving questions um you know like how do you listen to this show? What do you want more from this show? I appreciate the feedback on that for sure. This one is a, it's a dietary question. And what I want to know is what option of the five that I present to you, which option best describes your typical dietary approach? So um, the options range from eat clean uh, to eat clean, cheat dirty. Now, I, I differentiate between those just because I've worked with a lot of people that, you know, they, uh, they, they are unable to to have an unclean cheat meal. So that, that would be the, the first option. Like if you're clean all the time and your cheat meal is just, well, I'm going to have more clean calories. So that's you. Um, like if you just can't bring yourself to, to eat some ice cream or have a freaking donut or whatever, the first option is for you. I think, Eat clean, cheat dirty is kind of the traditional bodybuilding mentality where, you know, you're following a meal plan that has the same seven to nine basic foods in it all the time. And then cheat meal comes around. It's like pizza, cake, burger and fries, whatever. So um, there would be a, uh, a long stretch of my life where I would have answered that. Um, the next option is flexible dieting, but mostly clean. This is what I would call responsible macro-based dieting where, you know, we all feel better when we are eating things that are largely clean. And I should, I should clarify by clean. I mean, typically like, you know, single ingredient foods, um, not things that come out of a package that have a list of ingredients, but single ingredient foods, your, your traditional clean eating definition. I don't necessarily buy into the necessity of that, but that's how we'll define it for purposes here. So flexible dieting, but mostly clean, you know, the, the responsible macro-based dieting versus the next option, which is the irresponsible macro-based dieting. I describe it as flexible dieting with as much crap as I can make fit. So if you're like, damn, okay, I'm going to just revel in the Pop-Tarts and I'm going to work in a donut here and there. And I mean, whenever you can make fit in the numbers, if that's what you're going to do. That's your approach. There's your answer. And then the other one is winging it, basically meaning I don't care. I don't know what I'm doing. I just eat food and then I go lift. And, you know, that's, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, that's not necessarily a terrible strategy. So those are the options. Please, if you could, go and vote on that at uh, fivestarphysique.com. Scroll down just below the main banner and cast your vote there. That'll be up until the next episode, which, hey, if I get my act together, it might actually be next week, two weeks in a row. Uh, this is episode 49. The next one is a big one, episode 50. Um, I'm excited about that. So, What's been going on? I've been super, super, super busy. Um, lots of new clients coming on board, which is great. Um, we're in the the midst of the early part of show season as well. So uh, it seems like for a while here, I've got at least somebody competing pretty much every week. And I know I see stuff from a lot of coaches and you know these are people that have you know, like local teams and they'll go and they'll be like, here's my team at the show that we competed at today. And it's a coach and like, eight people all there. I'm like, good Lord, what a pain in the ass to try and manage eight people on show day. I, it's different if they're all on the same pace. I'm uh, all in the same place. If I had eight people all competing in the same day, they'd all be in different states, different time zones. I'm like, I, I would absolutely lose my shit. I don't know how I could make that all work. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to do anything except be supporting people all day long. That's for sure. So, um, you know, I've been staying very busy and also, um, you know, doing some, some project work around the house and that kind of stuff. So it's been fun. Um, I, I got a, uh, a tip, um, from somebody who was nice enough to email me. So this comes, uh, courtesy of Susie Brown. Thank you very much, Susie. I appreciate it. Um, she mentioned, um, cause I, I asked before, like, how are you listening to the episode? How are the, how are you listening to the drop set? And she said, Castbox, which is an app Castbox. I didn't pronounce that well the first time. Um, and I was looking at it, and first of all, it has like some statistics right in there, so you can see like how many people are listening to it and how many subscribers a certain show has. So for somebody like me, I like that a lot. That's great. But also, they have the complete archive of 
all of the episodes of this online versus um, like iTunes. They only have them going back to around the first of the year. And I think the same was true for, um, oh, I forget the name of this other app. I got to pull it, Stitcher. I don't think they have a full archive of everything on there either. So um, I, I know a, a couple of people I've, I've spoken with recently and um, I said, hey, you know, if you go back to like episode four or five, I talk about that because they're asking a specific question um, and I, I want to give them the um, place where they can go for the most in-depth discussion of them. Like I've already recorded that. It was like 20 minutes. So go check that out. And uh, I have to refer them back to the website because the full archives are on the website as well, but also CastBox has everything. So um, let's see. What else has been going on? So um, I'll give you the the update on me here. So um, I, I reported a while back, and I can't remember when this happened. I know it's been two weeks since our last episode. I didn't record one last week, but I had some issues going on with my sinuses. I had to go and get a CAT scan done. Everything's fine. Apparently, I go in for another one in six months. I just want to see some stuff. So I've um, been working on some projects in the uh, shop, which is cool. I do tend to share those on Instagram um, as they come through in the story. I don't clutter up my regular feed with that, but you know, it's uh, it's stuff that keeps me out of trouble. So it's, it's fun to work on. Um, We've been going to see some music lately, and we've been getting our name for our bands around town. We've got a couple of gigs that we're looking to get scheduled in May and June now, which is exciting. Um, and also, one thing that I think is very cool is um, putting together some original tunes. So I am not a wordsmith. I am certainly a, uh, a music guy, like the, the sounds, the notes, the tempo, the rhythm. Um, so I've been writing a handful of songs, and some of these are songs that I wrote I would venture to say 15 years ago, but I actually finally put down on paper and committed to them. And they're now, they now exist in a form where I'm like, yeah, this is done. It needs some words, but other than that, this is done. So and I've been recording some really rough demos, um, on my, uh, my new keyboard, putting together like a full band track on there. So that's been kind of fun. That's been taking up a little bit of time too. Um, again, that's nothing that's ever going to, um, it's not going to pay the bills and realistically it's not going to pay. Um, well, it's not really going to pay for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it, it, the band stuff might be a self-sustaining venture, but that equipment's fairly expensive, and the money that I make playing music doesn't pay for the, <laughs> the stuff that I buy to make music, so there's that. Um, anyway, further further news and updates coming on there. And also, um, I officially celebrated getting old this last week, um, this most recent week. On Tuesday, I went and picked up my very first pair of reading glasses, so... I blame uh, my clients for that and the time that I spend in front of the computer and on my phone in service to them. My eyes are taking the hit a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's funny because if, if anything's like further than three feet away from me, the glasses make it noticeably worse. And if it's closer, then it makes it a little better. And part of the problem is um, like on my phone in particular, I have the font size set as small as it will go. And if I would just stop being so damn stubborn and increase it a little bit, I'd be fine. But I'm like, no. Nope. So the glasses help with that. So I am nothing if not stubborn. Um, training and diet for me. So what one thing I always maintain, you know, I am by far my own worst client. I know I have a lot of clients who feel like they can challenge me for that spot. And to them, I just say, you have no idea who you're up against. Nobody's worse than me. I promise you that. So um, what I really struggle with is, you know, in the gym, trying to separate what I need to do for research into my own programming and my, my I mean, the, the programming that I, I write um, for clients and the work that I put in for myself. And so most of my gym sessions are geared towards, well, let me try this and see how this feels. And I do it to, to help spur some creativity in, in writing programs for others, but it's at the expense of my own workout in the moment. It's not really a good strategy or tactic to, to go into the gym and, and walk in there for your own workout that counts towards building your own physique to, to approach it with a mind of trying to help other people. So um, to that end, I purchased a workout plan. So I have I have plans that I have for sale up on my website. Here's the shameless plug, 5starphysique.com. Click on workout plans. I got a bunch of them up there. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I, I need to buy something that somebody else has written because, you know, following a plan that you wrote yourself, it's like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to compare that to anything, but it it feels a little like I know what's coming. You know, there's no surprise in there. There's there's you know, I think they're the stuff that I put together. I think it's fairly creative, but it came from my own brain, so it doesn't feel creative to me. You know, when I go through it. So, um, I purchased a plan from John Meadows um, on his website, and I have no um, no 
per- personal relationship with him. There's no back and forth. There's no communication. He just like, here's a PDF on my website. You buy it, go follow it on your own. It's that kind of thing. So it's a 16 week thing. And, uh, so far so good. Um, it's interesting. There's some new creative stuff in here. I like it. So, um, and it's, it's kind of keeping me focused. And one of the things that I like about it also is, um, it encourages some shorter workouts, which for me is really helpful. So it's focused. I've had a few workouts in the past week that were like 35, 40 minutes long, and they were great, great productive sessions in a really short amount of time. Not all of them are like that, but a few here and there, and it, it really helps as far as keeping things focused. So I like that. Um, on the dietary side of things, I'm still following intermittent fasting, um, which I tell you what, I have some really angry mornings sometimes, <laughs> but mornings are also when I'm busiest. So I, you know, I get up, I do cardio, I do some email, I go lift, I come back and I've still got, you know, a couple hours by the time I get back to the house before I can eat my first meal. Uh, I'm like, geez, Louise, just kill me already. God. Um, but you know, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, you know, I'm recording notes like this for clients for feedback. And I'm sure that my microphone is picking up my stomach grumbling in the background as well. So, um, but Hey, once 11 o'clock rolls around and I can start eating, I'm good. I'm good. And then, you know, I'm done eating by seven and I definitely want to keep eating. I want to keep snacking. There were a couple times where there was some stuff in the house. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's seven 45. That's close enough. And so, you know, um, that stuff is gone now. So <laughs> that won't be tempting me. And I feel pretty good at this point, sticking with an 11 to seven, um, feeding window. So it feels pretty good. My macros right now, my protein intake had to had to make a big drop just because I could squeeze in about four meals in those eight hours. I, I could probably do five, but that's a lot of eating during that window when I'm I'm still pretty active and I I just can't take the time so uh, to to break out and hit five meals over an eight hour stretch. So I do four, um, and so my protein intake has taken a little bit of a hit. I'm right about one gram per pound of body weight, and I've I've been you know up around one and a half grams for a long time. So it actually feels kind of nice on the digestive system to get a little bit of a break. So my protein's around 220, my carbs are around 250, my fats are around 110. So um, it feels pretty close to maintenance levels at this stage, which is good. Workouts are good, but I can tell that things are are tightening out very very slowly. So I'm I'm cool with that. It feels pretty good. And I'm going to start to uh, rein in things and hit a little bit of a cut here shortly. So um, I'm, I'm pretty happy cruising cruising at this uh, maintenance pace right now and feeling a little bit tighter with that. So feeling pretty good with that. And we're going to stick with it for a little bit too. So um, upcoming, here's a teaser for, um, I don't know if it'll be next week or the following week, but I have an interview scheduled with somebody that I'll be conducting next week. And uh, I have a, a representative who is associated with the OCB, the Organization organization of Competitive Bodybuilders, who I'll be interviewing and we'll be talking about the OCB and various facets, you know, what it means to be a competitor in the OCB. Um, we'll try and dive in and talk about how that compares to some of the organ- other organizations like NPC, um, you know, what kind of drug testing is uh, conducted in OCB, what the shows are like for somebody who hasn't gone to one, um, where they're most prevalent, where they're most common, why, you know, what are the pros and cons of, of competing in that organization? So I don't intend it to be a, a, a puff piece or an advertisement for them, but I know that, um, a lot of people aren't familiar with them. So it's all about broadening horizons more than anything else. So, um, that will be, uh, that interview will be taking place next week. Certainly, you know, this show is not recorded live, so, um, it'll make it into the next week's episode or the following one, but I'll keep you posted on that. So, um, as far as what's going on today, um, we've got, uh, well, the typical, um, segments, which will be starting here momentarily. And then we've got two longer discussions that we'll be having. One is on, um, gym related OCD and how it is killing you in the gym. And then the other one is what makes a good client. And that, that's the question that I answer, but really it's, it's a larger discussion on what makes for a good, successful bodybuilder, because that's what I'm trying. And that, that's what I'm trying to get my clients to be as good bodybuilders and good clients make good bodybuilders. So the, th- the two, um, the, th- those two topics are really one and the same. What makes one, you know, what kind of qualities are we looking for? Um, what, what am I looking for? Um, when trying to identify who's going to be a successful client slash bodybuilder. And then, you know, how does that apply to you? So we're going to have that discussion as well. So, um, that being said, we've got a lot to get to, so let's just hunker down and get to it. It's time for the airing of grievances. Pet peeve of the week. Okay, stop me if you've heard this one before. I'm just kidding. Don't actually stop me. And hey, this is pre-recorded, so you can't stop me. Good luck trying. Um, I feel like 
you know, I don't keep a running to a running tally of, you know, the topics that I cover on this, but I feel like I've talked about this one before. Um, my pet peeve this week, and as do a lot of my pet peeves, this one comes from social media. So, um, this is, you know, those things that start off with, you know, those posts that people make that are, you know, to all my haters and doubters. And I just want to reiterate now, now I'm, I'm talking about this. I know I've talked about this in the last, you know, 15 weeks or so. I know it's come up before, but it's worth, it's worth mentioning it again, just because who, who are these people? Like, I don't know who you're hanging out with. I'm like, who do I have that I would consider to be a hater? I'm like, I can't think of anybody and maybe it's just because like I don't know I'm a nice guy I try to pe- treat people genuinely and with respect I don't go stirring up shit when I don't need to there are some people that I hate on but I kind of do that to myself and it's just because I'm a bitter jealous old fool <laughs> I'm like that asshole he looks too damn good what's he doing but you know that kind of stuff but you know I keep that to myself as far as like bringing it up to somebody or confronting somebody or throwing shade somebody's direction I'm like who does that? Do these people exist? Like, if you're doing your thing, are there people that are really, like, you know, in your face, like, you can't do this, you're going to fail? Does that really happen outside of, like, really bad TV dramas? I don't know. Maybe it does, and maybe I'm living a sheltered existence, and maybe I am totally and completely out of touch with the real world. Trust me, that would not totally shock me if that were the case. And it shouldn't shock any of you either. I kind of live in, live in a little bubble here in my, uh, in my studio, in my little home office. So I don't know. I just, I feel like whenever I see something like that, I just want to reach out to that person and say, whoever you're hanging out with, stop. Find a new crowd to run with. And it doesn't mean like you have to find people that all have similar interests or anything like that. Just hang out with good, decent, genuine people. That's all you need. I don't hang out with anybody that is a regular gym goer, much less a competitive bodybuilder. That's just not my social circle. Those aren't the people that I hang out with. Does anybody hate on me? No, they kind of wonder what I'm doing some of the times. They think I'm a little crazy. They think I'm weird. You know, they're trying to, to tempt me to eat dessert, and sometimes I give in and whatever. I mean, you know, it's okay. I mean, my thing is my thing. I don't need anybody else to be on board with it. Are they hating on me for it? No. I mean, when I'm really in the zone, they respect me for, you know, self-control and being able to say no to certain things. So, I, I just, you know, whenever I see those things, I just, I feel like just reaching through my phone to people and be like, stop hanging out with these people, stop acknowledging them. And when you make a post, like to all my haters, what you're doing is giving them exactly what they want. You're acknowledging their impact on you. Even if you're saying they don't have an impact on you, um, and maybe they don't, but by putting that out there, you're feeding them what they want. So just Flush those people down the toilet. They're not doing you any good. You don't need them. They have no positive influence on anything. So if you find yourself surrounded by, with people like that, just walk away. Don't don't even you know acknowledge them. Don't give them what they want. Just mic drop, walk away. You'll be a better person for it. You'll sleep better at night. You'll be happier all around. I guarantee it. Get ready to rock. It's music of the week. And this week, in continuing with the tradition that we have established here, I say tradition as if we've been doing this for you know 15 years or something like this. For the last handful of weeks, what I've been doing with Music of the Week is throwing together a new playlist. And so this week, you know, what I'm trying to do is, because uh, I could very easily just say, well, here's 12 more of my favorite rock tunes, blah, blah, blah. But I'm trying to give everything a little bit of a theme, and I'm trying to be creative with it because, you know, it's kind of what I do. I'm a, I'm, I'm playing the role of musical curator here. So I'm trying to develop themes and, you know, make it a little bit more interesting. So what I've done this week is I put together a playlist. Once again, this is on Spotify. If you check me out there, just search um, within Spotify, just search Five Star Physique with two R's. That's all one word. My profile will come up. You can see you can see all of the uh, playlists that I've set there. Um, this one is called No More Talking. Um, and what that is, it's a series of uh, some of my favorite rock instrumentals. So um, these are all going to be you know guitar based for the most part. There's a couple of keyboard passages in some of these songs, but um, largely it's you know I- I'm not gonna. Uh, it's like, you know, mostly rock and a little bit of prog. It, it's not metal. I mean, you know, the, some people would consider Five Finger Death Punch to be metal. Those people are wrong. They're, it's not. They're hard rock. Um, metal would be like, you know, Cannibal Corpse or something like that. There's nothing like that in here. So it's hard rock, a little bit of prog. So um, 
I always like to, in playlists like this, just to keep things varied, I like to avoid doubling down on certain artists, but I couldn't hear just because, you know, some of these, they're my favorites, you know? <laughs> like, how can I pick one Joe Satriani tune? I can't. I can't. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got uh, a, a Dream Theater representative in here, and then also I picked two songs from Liquid Tension Experiment, which is kind of an offshoot of Dream Theater, but all their stuff is instrumental, and so... I've got Acid Rain. I also picked Paradigm Shift, which is a longer tune. A lot of these are longer. You've got um, a couple of these that clock in at around nine minutes, one that's about 10 minutes. So there's only 11 tracks in here, but it clocks in a little over an hour. So, And my goal with these is to provide a playlist that will, you know, last you for a workout. I know it's very uh, common on Spotify to see these playlists that have like 100, 200 songs. And just like, you can't wrap your head around that. You know, I, I don't want to listen to a playlist for six days in a row. You know, a playlist for me should be shorter than that. Something that you can digest and spit out and process in one session. So um, a couple of, I mean, we did have the Five Finger Death Punch tune in here. This is one of my favorites, Canto 4034. Um, one of my favorite tunes. I really, really, really dig the guitar work on that, on that song. Um, some random Van Halen thrown in as well. A little Steve Vai. Um, a couple of Metallica tunes as well. So should be good. Um, you know, if you uh, if instrumentals are your thing, you'll probably already know a lot of these songs, but it'll be good rock out too. And if instrumentals aren't your thing, give this a shot. And uh, if <laughs> if you don't like this, then instrumentals really aren't your thing. But this might be uh, the gateway drug into, uh, into a, a lifelong love of instrumentals. I don't know. Give it a shot. Let me know what you think. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. I feel like I need to put a little bit of a disclaimer on this upcoming segment. So uh, let, let's, let's tackle it this way. So obsessive compulsive disorder is a very real thing. And what we're going to be talking about here is not necessarily based on the what I would I would guess we would call the clinical definition of OCD, which can be, by all accounts, very debilitating. I know we've all read stories. Maybe we know somebody who deals with a legit clinical diagnosis of OCD, which is very different than what I think most of us experience when we're talking about OCD, which is like we get really easily annoyed by things that are not all perfectly lined up and, you know, something's a little out of place. You know, you see a series of things that are all one color and then there's something that's a different color and it kind of drives you nuts like nails on a chalkboard. That's very different from, you know, this compulsive need to having to touch a doorknob 17 times whenever you walk past one or you have to wash your hands 45 times daily or anything like that, which can really be very, very crippling and really get in the way of just life in general. So it's a very different thing. And so I don't want this conversation to come across as being insensitive to that more clinical definition of OCD. So instead, I'm, I'm playing around with it as a very tongue-in-cheek kind of definition of the term here. So it's time, however, for a discussion on how our more... Uh, pedestrian levels of OCD might be holding us back in the gym a little bit. So um, what this means is that, you know, you walk into the gym and let's say ideally under perfect circumstances, you walk in and you've got your plan and it tells you what you need to do, um, what, what exercises you need to do, how many reps, um, how many sets, if there are tempos applied or anything like that. And you go in there and you're logging everything carefully just because, you know, you, you should, it's helpful to do that. So, um, what becomes a problem though, is when all of the numbers and all of the X's and O's and the ones and zeros and all of the quantitative, uh, all the quantitative, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, elements of your workout start to overtake the more qualitative things. So you can have a, a workout that is by the numbers great, but then by the time you're finished, it's kind of like, meh. It was okay. And so we can't lose sight of the fact that, you know, how you feel is probably more important than any of the numbers. Like, hey, I set a bunch of PRs this time. It was a great session, but I didn't get any pump because, you know, for any number of potential reasons, you know, I didn't really get a good level of fatigue, put up some good numbers and was in the zone there. But as far as feeling like I actually had a quality session outside of the numbers, not so much. So, um, there are several things that we can do, um, and, and I'll, I'll tackle it with the big one first. And you know, just 
things that you can do or, or things to keep in your head when you're in the gym and say, you know what, maybe a little bit of this would be okay. And the, the first thing, and this is probably the most important one, is an overemphasis placed on counting your reps. Uh, and it's very easy. You walk in and you're like, you know, we're looking for three sets of 10. Okay, great. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Whew. All right. Good set. Yeah. All right. Rest. Let's do it again. Um, the problem is for anybody that's been lifting for, you know, a, a reasonable amount of time, I think when I start to say this, you're going to realize, you know, that that's kind of true. Maybe you already know it. Maybe you're about to be enlightened here. Um, but you get into the habit of, you know, doing a certain weight for an exercise for a certain number of reps or, you know, a, a range of weight. And you know what your target is and you find a way, your body finds a way to be fatigued and to feel like it's at failure right when you get to that sweet spot where the final rep is. And I can't tell you, everybody who's a trainer has done this. And if you're a trainer and you're listening to this, you're going to be nodding your head like, oh yeah, I've done this. I've done it many times. I do it all the time. Whenever I get a chance still, even though it's very rare to um, work out with somebody in person, oftentimes, you know, Roger, my workout partner, occasional workout partner, he will bear the brunt of this. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we establish the ground rules. We're looking for around 10 reps or something like that. All right, cool. So we find a way and, you know, we're like nine and 10, give me another one. But, but I, I was, I was reaching failure at 10. No, you thought you were reaching failure at 10. Now give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. And before you know it, the just one more, you've bled them out and they're like 16, 17, 18 reps. Okay. So that is all about keeping the actual target veiled. So you don't know, I mean, you know, as, as the trainer, as, as the person, as the, the antagonist in that scenario, you kind of know. I mean, you're, you're, look, you're looking, you're watching the cues, you're trying to see how much their form is breaking down. You might be helping them a little bit if it's a pull. You might be helping on the concentric a little bit, helping get a good squeeze and then a really slow negative. So they might be, you know, partially forced reps. But at the same token, you can almost always get more reps just because it is in our nature to keep something in the tank. And so when we say we're going to hit failure around 10, it's rarely failure. Um, unless you recognize that it's rarely failure and that this is a very active process and realizing as the set progresses, like, okay, I'm shooting for 10 and my body's going to tell me that it's going to break down at around 10, but I bet I can get more. If you never push yourself into that envelope or push yourself through going slower uh, and getting 10 reps that are all slower than what you've done before or 10 reps that are heavier than you've done before or changing some other variable. We've talked about training variables many times and the kind of things that you should be logging. Um, if you haven't done that, you, I mean, you're not pushing your body into uh, a realm where it's going to feel like it has to change in order to accommodate the work that you're, the, the load that you're placing upon it. You know, if you've been lifting for any appreciable length of time, like more than a year, two years or anything like that, you know, all of the easy gains, they've come and gone. You're not going to see any more easy gains. If you want to build anything else, you've really got to work for it. And I mean work for it by redefining what your body thinks it's capable of doing. And if you are in this mode where you're always counting your reps and always stopping right at 10 because 10 is the target and not pushing yourself beyond that and trying to recalibrate your scale a little bit, and then you'd say, okay, well, you know, I'm doing 100 pounds here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay, let's get 11. Let's get 12. Okay, 13. They're starting to get a little bit ugly, but maybe you end up getting, you know, 15 or 16 decent reps. What does that tell us? It tells us that 100 pounds isn't your target if we're, if we're aiming for 10. And so then we're forcing a different variable to change to keep up with another variable that we forced to change by squeezing out those extra reps. So um, always, every workout plan that I write, when, there are always rep targets for those, and sometimes they're specific numbers, sometimes they're ranges. But the, the key word that should be prefacing all of those numbers is about, about 10, about 12, about 12 to 15, something in that general range. And always, if you can squeeze out more, do it and make a note of it, you know, parenthetically, right? Well, hundred pounds and I did 16 reps instead of 12. Okay, cool. Then when you look back on that next time, you're going to realize, you know, I did that. I, I pushed the envelope a little bit there. It's time to recalibrate the scale a little bit. So I say, you know, there, there's an overemphasis on counting reps. You should be tracking what you're doing um, and giving yourself credit for those extra reps and then using that as a way to 
convince yourself that you could probably go a little bit heavier or you can adjust your tempo or some other variable. It's not always just about weight, of course. We've talked about that many, many times. Um, but don't feel like, you know, it's not about precisely following the workout. Like I'm doing three sets of 10. I'm doing four sets of eight. But uh, I mean, you know, four-ish sets of eight-ish. I always tell people also, if you feel like you're in the groove on a specific exercise and you're absolutely crushing it, work in an extra set, throw in a finisher, add a drop set, add in some rest pause stuff. Um, the the issue here is that we kind of distort what failure really means. And you know, we, we convince ourselves that we're hitting failure when we're really not. And that is a very basic, um, very low-level human issue is that we always want to hold something in the tank. And so the bodybuilders that are the most successful are the ones that are able to push through that mentally and then push through it physically as well. Because when you push through that mentally and you're in that spot, in that space, it is really uncomfortable physically. How much of that pain, and we're talking about the good kind of, you know, muscular discomfort pain, how much of that are you able to push through? So, um, and the, clearly, the more of it you're able to push through, the more damage you're able to cause to your body, which then you can you know, work on healing that through rest and nutrition. That's how you grow. So the more of that you can encourage, the higher level that you can work at uh, universally, um, the, the more you're going to grow as long as you're you know, setting yourself up to recover from that. So overemphasis on counting reps is the big way in which your you know, benign gym OCD might be killing you. Another thing is you're just overly precise on your weight selection. So, and, and this comes, you know, you, you will know this if I can ask somebody, Hey, how much do you lift on this? And they have an easy answer all the time. Like it shouldn't be that easy. You know, it should depend on the context. You know, when are you doing this exercise? How many reps are you doing it for? Um, are you having a good day or a bad day? The weight's going to vary a little bit. It's going to fluctuate as it should. And so that's why you log things and use what you've done before as a way to guide what you're about to do this day. Um, so you don't want to be overly precise on that. And if you can say, well, I always do this weight on this exercise and I always do this weight on this exercise, that tells me that you're doing the same workout all the time and you're not progressing. Unless you're brand new in the gym, you're not going to make progress doing that. Um, and again, this is a conversation geared towards those people that have been at this for a while. You've been lifting for a while. If you're brand new and you know your gym membership hasn't even been renewed yet for month number two, disregard any of this because you can do a lot of things a lot of different ways and still grow. You should do things correctly just so you don't learn bad habits right at the onset. Um, but the more time, the more years you spend in the gym, the more appropriate this conversation is, the more you need to be hearing this right now. So um, another thing, and th this is me. Um, so there, there's a gym here in Knoxville where I used to go. And, you know, if any local people are listening to this, it's the Gold's Gym on Walker Springs. Um, it is, uh, boy, it is a shit show. Um, it is one of the messiest facilities I've ever been in. I've been in some crap gyms as far as dirt. Um, and not just dirt, but just people don't put anything away. I mean, I, I know that we all have stories about that, but this gym is the worst and the people who train there, like the employees on staff, are some of the worst offenders. They never put anything away behind them. It's like they just leave a trail of plates and dumbbells in their wake wherever they walk in the gym. And for somebody like me, you know, I, I'm the guy who, you know, we, we've got friends over for dinner and everybody's talking, everybody's talking. Somebody starts going towards the kitchen, kitchen with a dirty plate. I intercept them. I'm like, no, I got it. You're not. I'm not going to let you go anywhere near putting anything in the dishwasher because you're going to do it the wrong way. And I'm going to go absolutely insane if you do that. Or God forbid anybody's like, where can I put this? We're going to no, just don't. I know where everything goes. I know exactly how I want things stacked. I don't want you having any part of that. So I go to the gym and there's a dumbbell that clearly is marked 30 on the side. And it's in a slot where the dumbbell rack says 45, that that's going to give me a brain aneurysm. And I, I kind of have to learn to let that go a little bit. It, it's really hard. And so this gym, this Gold's Gym location, I would go in and I, I would always get there nice and early. I still do this. I don't go there anymore, thank God. But I still go to the gym really early on Sunday morning just because it's the best time to go. It's empty. I'd get there and it would just be a wasteland. Like 60 to 70% of the dumbbells would be unracked on the floor. I'd spend the first 15, 20 minutes of my workout just cleaning shit up. 
It was awful. Trying to put some plates away. Basically, so A, I could find stuff and I could not trip over stuff trying to walk around and, and get a workout in so I wouldn't kill myself. So, um, you know, to some extent, you've got to let a little bit of that go. I think, you know, I, I, I did actually bring it up. I brought it up to the staff. They didn't do anything about it. And it's one of the reasons I don't go there anymore. So I was looking for any other alternative and I found one. So um, don't feel like you've got to clean up everything. There was something funny that happened last week. I wasn't working out with Roger, but we were there in the gym together. And uh, I was doing something with 35s and he was doing something with 20s. And he walked in front of me. And he put his 20s right where my 35s would go on the rack, not to piss me off, although it worked, but just because he wasn't really paying attention. And so I had my headphones in there blaring something. I'm sure I was way too loud. And I was like, do you realize what you just did? I'm like at the top of my lungs pretty much. <laughs> he looks around at me like, like I just caught him with his hand in the cookie jar or something. And I throw my weights down. I'm like, what are you doing there? He's like, oh, I didn't even realize, but... Yeah. Oh, I'm a jackass. I'm sorry. I mean, it was one of those. It was funny, but um, letting a little bit of that go so you don't feel like you have to be the gym police, you know, stop worrying about what other people are doing. Yeah, there's some guy over there with really awful form. It doesn't matter. It's not bothering you. So just, you know, unplug yourself from having to be concerned about that and breathe a sigh of relief at the freedom that you will find in doing so. You know, the gym's a mess. Tell somebody at the front desk. And if it continues to be a mess, continue to tell somebody at the front desk. If it really becomes a problem, find a new place to go work out. There's a lot of gyms out there. And if, I mean, if you can tell a gym, like, I'm going to leave because you don't clean your crap up. I'm going to go somewhere else. They'll probably do something about it. In most cases here with my gym here, that was not the case. But, um, the other way in which your phone, your, oh, Spoiler alert, Darren, the other way in which your gym OCD is killing you is your phone um, and your ability to be distracted by it during your workout. So with me, the way that this uh, comes into play is, you know, with clients, I always like to be accessible and especially during daylight hours. I have clients who will text me at 11 p.m., 1 a.m. or whatever, just knowing that you know, they're not going to get a response because I'm asleep, but they'll, they'll text me nonetheless. I don't, um, that's fine. You know, I'm asleep. I'll get to you when I get to you. My phone makes no noises. So it's not like it's waking me up or anything. Um, but when I'm awake, I kind of like, you know, I'll peek at it here and there. Like anybody, everybody. Okay. All right, cool. The worst thing I could do is open up my email and check that because there's going to be something in there that's distracting. I can guarantee it. Um, so I've talked about this before when talking about, you know, your gym bag is having something that is not your primary phone function as your music player. Um, like a separate, like an old phone or something like that, where you don't have any social media apps, you don't have email on it or anything like that. You just have, you know, music services. Maybe you've got songs loaded directly on it. You've got Spotify, Pandora, whatever, um, something like that so that you can adjust those things. You know, you don't want to get too carried away with it. Just set a playlist and go and don't try to micromanage it and pick every damn song that you want to listen to one at a time. You know, I've done that before. It's a really easy way to guarantee that you're going to get a crap workout because your focus isn't where it needs to be. So limit your distractibility um, and put, put your phone away, resist the temptation to look at it. One, one thing that I, I tell people all the time, and this is advice that I need to, I need for myself as well is the world will go on. If you are unplugged from your phone for a freaking hour, I mean, seriously. And if not, then, you know, you might need to reevaluate some things like how is your life really put together? <laughs> You know, that you are so absolutely vital to something that you can't disappear for an hour or go off the grid pre-announced like, hey, I'm going to be gone for an hour or just tell people, hey, from eight to nine every morning, I'm inaccessible. That's okay. And they'll, they'll get used to that. And nine o'clock rolls around. You've got a little catch up to do. It's no big deal. I've been getting better at that myself. I don't tell people just because I don't work in an industry where, you know, my, my clientele is not set up in such a way that it's typically very time sensitive, um, peak week being a possible exception for that. But Otherwise, it's not a big deal. So um, those are the things, you know, that, that I really want to uh, re reinforce as far as things that we're probably overthinking a little bit. And that's, you know, an overemphasis on counting your reps, being overly precise on your weight selection, 
uh, feeling like you've got to be the gym police and re-racking all the weights and doing all this other crap and allowing yourself to be overly distracted by your phone. If you can improve in any one or all of those four areas, your workouts are going to go up in intensity significantly and really adopt that do or die mindset when it comes to getting those extra reps because that's what's really the catalyst for recalibrating your internal scale for your lifting intensity. If you can do that, I think you'll be amazed at where it ends up taking you. One of my favorite questions uh, when people ask if they are, uh, you know, for whatever reason, oftentimes I get this question like if uh, somebody, uh, a prospective client emails me and they're like, what do you look for, you know, in a client, you know, what can, you know, if some, if, if somebody really wants to maximize what they're going to, to get out of their bodybuilding journey, what do you, what would it be? What do you look for? What do you do? And so this is a question that, you know, can be asked a couple of different ways. You know, what makes for a good client or more generally, if you're not talking, you know, to a coach, what makes for a good bodybuilder? And it's something that we've talked about here before, but it's always good to revisit this, see how these things apply to yourself and kind of do just a quick gut check and say, you know, Am, am I am I being a good you know client or or bodybuilder? This is not to call anybody out, but just kind of a period of of self assessment. And what I'm always looking for first and foremost is somebody who is curious, somebody who just doesn't want to be told what to do and follow orders, but somebody who is curious and not always asking like you know being the two year old or the three year old or I don't have kids, so I don't know what age they all ask this. Why? 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 I mean, that's that's good, but you know, a, a three-year-old. I'll just settle on three-year-old for for sake of argument here. Three-year-old isn't curious necessarily. They, I mean, I don't. Maybe they are. I was just assume they're trying to be obnoxious. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm ascribing them too much uh, from from a cynical perspective. I don't know. Clearly, you know, everybody out there with kids is like, man, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. You're absolutely correct. I don't. I got no clue whatsoever. So anyway, don't just ask why, but be curious in the answer and don't be afraid to do a little digging on your own because, you know, again, speaking generally, what makes for a good bodybuilder? A good bodybuilder asks why. So if you don't have a coach, do some searching and think about the information that you find. Think about it critically. Um, don't just, you know, take it and absorb it and say, oh, okay, great. That's the way it is. But look for conflicting points of view also. So, you know, uh, oftentimes I will have clients who will present questions to me and they'll say, you know, I was reading about this online, but I wanted to get your take on it. I like that. I think that's good because, you know, if you're reading about it online, that means you're invested in it. That means that you're curious. That means that you're asking questions. You're looking for answers. And yeah, if you're working with me, you better ask me and get my opinion on it as well. And I don't necessarily say that my opinion is the end all be all of everything. Um, I think it's worth something, but, um, certainly I think it's worth getting a variety of different viewpoints and then, you know, form your own while you're at it as well, but be curious. Um, another thing is, uh, yeah, I, I, per, I look at things and evaluate things when I'm doing check-ins with clients, which I do every week. Um, I'm evaluating things on, on two levels. There's, there's qualitative and then there's quantitative. So the quantitative is, you know, the numbers, quantity, um, the, the number side of things, you know, what are our weigh-ins looking like? What do the macros look like? Show me the schedule for the week. How much cardio did we hit? How many lifting days did we squeeze in? You know, has water intake been consistent? Those are all quantitative things that we can, you know, display in a spreadsheet pretty easily, you know, check the boxes, plug in the numbers, all that good stuff. The qualitative stuff, if it's more about feel, qualitative, quality, how did this go? How do you feel? What do you think? Those kind of things. And so, too easy. I mean, it's very, very easy to focus on the quantitative and check all those boxes and hit all those marks, but completely be off base on the qualitative side of things. So you're doing stuff, but you're not necessarily doing it in, in a, a high level way. So this can be applied to a lot of things like with macros, you know, you're tracking your numbers. Okay, great. Well, are you giving yourself too much leeway? Are, are the numbers that you're tracking accurately ac actually accurate? Um, are you leaving things off? You know, by by accurate, I mean like, are you using some crappy database entries so that you know you're you're getting in too many or too few calories compared to what you think? Um, because there are all kinds of errors inherent in apps like that unless you run them through your BS checker and see if you know see if the numbers actually make sense. Um, you know, are are you 
eating things that you are not logging, giving yourself credit for adherence that you're not actually um, that you're not actually living by. Um, that that counts. But then the the thing that I really stress on the qualitative side of thing is workouts. Like just going to the gym and doing your workout doesn't tell me a damn thing. How did you do it? How did it go? How did you feel? How effective did it feel? And I, I get a shockingly low level of response on a question like this, but I will tell somebody, you know, here's a new split. This is what we're going with. And these are the new workouts. Go through everything, you know, check out the videos that are included in here. If you experience anything where you're kind of like, huh, I'm not really sure what's up with this movement. I'm not really feeling it the right way. Let me know. I don't usually get that. What I do get oftentimes is some, uh, you know, a video that I can provide some feedback on and I can see this isn't engaging correctly. Something isn't working right here. We need to fix that. Um, so whenever you're doing something, whether, whenever you're performing an exercise, you got to think about what the purpose is and then always think about how you can make it more effective. And again, I've said this a million times, that does not mean that you just need to start piling the weight on. You know, my, my challenge that I would issue to everybody would be how much muscular fatigue can you bring into a muscle group doing a particular exercise with the smallest weight possible? Like, can you really fatigue your hamstrings by doing Romanian deadlifts with full range of motion with just a 45 pound barbell? Um, and you know, not that that is you know the, your ultimate target, but if you can do that, then when we add the weight, that kind of puts your brain in the right zone. It knows how to engage them. We add the weight, we put a little bit more load on there, and now they're really suffering. Um, but if you're just like, I've got to do 225 for RDLs, or I just can't feel it. Well, you can't feel it because you're lacking engagement. And then when you're when you're performing that move with 225, you're moving the weight, but I I question how much your hamstrings are actually working. So. Um, just going to the gym and doing the stuff and putting in the work, you know, checking the boxes, saying, well, I did these sets and these are the weights that I know. That's just not good enough. That doesn't cut it. Um, but you've got to really, really think about your form and your execution. I'm always asking clients for videos to send me so that I can evaluate that. And realistically, if you're not working with a coach, you should record yourself periodically on some things anyway, because when you watch those back, and you should, to study your form and really look at the finer points of your execution on these movements, I guarantee you will find things that you did not know you were going to find. You will see things and be like, wow, I didn't realize I was going through those reps that quickly. I thought I was following this tempo, but I can see here I was going a lot faster than I thought. Or, man, I thought my range of motion was was pretty solid there, but I can see I'm not really extending my elbow all the way. Or, man, I felt like I was keeping my torso totally rigid, but I can see now I'm swinging a little bit doing that more than I thought I was. So you should be watching that stuff and 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 checking things and, you know, holding yourself to a, an ever-increasing high standard. You know, what was good two weeks ago isn't necessarily good today, that kind of thing. So um, trying to, to force progression on many different fronts, but the quality of your execution being one of them, not just weights or anything like that, not just gaining weight, not just losing weight, but how things are being executed really matters. Same thing with cardio, you know, just going and doing 30 minutes of cardio, you know, well, that's fine. I've had plenty of 30 minute cardio sessions that were complete and total waste of time just because I was sleepwalking through them. You know, you've got to bring it, you've got to commit to it. You've got to, um, you know, not that you're trying to kill yourself doing steady state cardio or anything like that, but you've got to work hard enough to actually, you know, let your body know that you're trying to do something. <laughs> you know, you can't, just put the treadmill on, you know, 5% incline, two miles per hour and, and call it good unless you're, you know, four feet, four inches tall, in which case that might be a good clip. I don't know. But it, you've got to be putting in a level of work that is sufficient for your body to realize that you're trying to get it to do something and wake up metabolically. So um, that, that, that would be another thing. And also, you know, commit to it and don't be afraid to like throw yourself into it and, you know, announce to the world, tell your family what you're doing, seek their support. And if they don't offer it, be okay with it, but also just, you know, make, make it certain, make, make it clear in no uncertain terms that, you know, whether they support you or not, you're going to do this because the last thing you need is their, their, um, unspoken bias against what you're doing or their, their, 
you know, very, very subtle objection to what you're doing to just be the elephant in the room that kind of keeps you from really throwing everything that you've got into it. You know, so make sure that, you know, you clearly state your goals to the people around you and also that you, you state, and by that, I mean, you know, don't just walk into a Walmart with a bullhorn and start announcing things, but you know, the people that are close to you, the people that matter to you, not just the people that happen to be in your proximity in any given time. Um, but tell them what you're doing and tell them how important it is to you also. And, you know, if they're good people and they're quality people, they're going to understand that. So, and they should at least. So what, what I'm looking for in a client is someone who will commit, someone who isn't afraid to put in the work, someone who isn't afraid to leave their comfort zone. And in fact is begging to be pulled out of their comfort zone. Uh, some, somebody that, you know, is going to, so, uh, is going to um, provide something that I can give feedback on and is then going to implement that feedback. Like, you know, don't send me a bunch of videos and have me comment on them and then implement nothing of what I said, you know, and if, if something doesn't make sense, ask questions. Well, what, what did you mean when you said that I need to focus more on, on driving through the heels and fully extending my hips? What does that mean? Can you explain that to me a different way? Yeah, I, I can explain that to you five different ways. How do you want it? So let's work on that. Um, so implementing feedback is a big thing. And then, you know, it's the classic thing of, you know, if your coach says jump, your only question should be how high. <laughs> it's not like, why do I have to jump? You can say why, but jump first and then ask why I had to jump, you know, that kind of thing, because that shows me a level of commitment that I really want to see. So, um, when I, when I'm looking for somebody who's like the ideal client, that's what I'm looking for. Somebody who's you know, you don't have to make it, it doesn't have to be easy, but try and make it look easy, which is not to say fake it, but don't sweat the fact that you're trying to do something hard, accept that you're trying to do something hard, embrace it, run with it, and don't expect perfection from yourself. You know, if you fail here and there, that's okay. It, it is not the end of the world, and it doesn't mean that you can't be successful in the long run. Just learn from it, process it, and move on. So, there we go. That's all I got. That's going to wrap it up for today. No closing thought because I'm already way late on this and uh, <laughs> I, I don't have any words of wisdom beyond what I just shared with you if I'm going to be totally honest with that. So um, I appreciate everybody listening. Once again, poll question, Five Star Physique. Go there, um, fivestarphysique.com. Scroll down. Tell me about your diet a little bit. Pick an option there. Um, we'll be back uh, hopefully this week um, since I'm posting this on a Monday now. Uh, hopefully later this week, end of the week, we'll have uh, another episode online. In the meantime, hit me up on social media, Instagram at Darren underscore star, Facebook.com slash five star physique, YouTube and Pinterest five star physique, Twitter at Darren star. Um, shoot me some questions there. Also, I'm going to start using that a little bit more. Be a good way to get some dialogue going. So um, that's all I've got. So I appreciate you listening. Thank you all for tuning in and sticking through to the very, very bitter end. I'll catch you all next episode.